Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. I'm just going to open a word of prayer. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your grace and your mercy and your loving kindness towards us. We thank you for all that you're doing and yet to do in our lives. And uh, we thank you for, again, the celebration of the risen Savior on today. Um, we are excited every Sunday, uh, but we take this time to acknowledge the work, the mystery of your resurrection on today. We just thank you. and We, we bask in your love and your presence uh, and the joy that is complete now uh, that you've died and risen. We just uh, honor you today, Lord, and uh, I'm grateful for what you're going to do in our individual lives, uh, in the life of Cornerstone, but also in your church, your corporate church throughout the world, um, how you're yet saving souls and how you're yet winning the lost, and uh, you are sovereign, you're in control. So we thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. He is risen, risen indeed, amen. Um, so we've been doing a series, and normally you don't do a series on Easter Sunday because you have people who haven't been a part of the series, but uh, that's your fault, not mine. No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. No, <laughs> kidding. <laughs> I feel that it is, uh, it goes with our Easter message, so you, it's, it, it can stand alone, or it, it fits to the series as well. But a series is uh, the lessons from the vine. Uh, today's message is the lesson from the vine, the glory of the vine dresser. And we've been coming out of uh, John 15, 1 through 8. Uh, the initial message was the lessons from the vine. And just talk, we talked about abiding in him. And how that doesn't require us to do a whole lot but just to stay in him. Um, and then the second message was lesson from the vine, the trellis. So we talked about church structure and how we sometimes get used to the programs and the organization of church and all the things that the church does, um, which is good. I'm not against the trellis. The trellis supports the vine, um, but the vine will grow, may grow a little bit wild, but it will grow without the trellis. But the trellis helps support us. And so there is importance that we have the structure and the organization of church. I'm getting, am I okay? I'm kind of bumping here. All right. And then last Sunday we talked about Lessons from the vine to receive and reproduce. And as uh, branches that are from this vine, we are to receive the word and not just receive, but reproduce it. Um, so you do things differently or you listen differently when you're expected to reproduce. It's like in a test, right? When you expect it, if someone says, hey, you're going to have a test on this, you listen differently. <laughs> You may take notes, you may, you know, write things on your hand. I don't know what you guys do. Uh, but you listen differently because there's an expectation that you're going to have to uh, know what someone told you or reproduce that, uh, prove to them that you've learned that. So every Sunday, we should be coming in not just to receive the word, which is important, but to receive with the expectation that I am going to now take this in and go out and teach someone else. Um, my name is Virgil Moore, Sr. I do have a son, Virgil Moore II. Uh, 
and I am a disciple maker, and, and so are you. And so um, if I say that enough, I'll believe it enough, and I'll start to act like it enough. Uh, <laughs> and, and I desire you to do the same, that you make disciples, that you go out and just not receive, but then also reproduce, go out and try to teach other people what the Lord has given you through me or through whoever that's up here or through the word, um, through your devotions, through your reading, reproduce what the Lord has given you on today. So now we hear, um, this is not the final message in this series. Um, I think I got one more message given us with the vine, but we're going to be talking about discipleship for a couple months, so uh, we'll just go to another theme. <laughs> uh, but uh, we'll be still talking about discipleship. Um, but lessons from the vine, the glory of the vine dresser. And so even in the message, the scripture, because I read it, I listened to it differently uh, when they said, John uh, 3.16, um, uh, that God loved us. And, 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 and Jesus pointed to the Father so much. And sometimes we miss that because our focus is on Jesus and not to say that Jesus is not important. Uh, but the Father's love for us was so great that he gave his son. And from someone who's ha- who has a child, it would be such a great love that I had to give that child away. Um, it would be a lot that I would have to deal with and overcome to give my child away. And knowing that giving my child away was going to be a separation between me and my child, for the greater of you and me. And so he saw us and loved us so much that he was willing to forsake his son and let him die on the cross, an awful death, because of his love for us. Let that sink in. If you're a parent or you're a father, you're a mother, let that sink in that you love that God loved us so much that he gave his son up for us. That we might be in right relationship with him. And so we're going to look at the theme of the father. We're going to look at uh, the father as the, the vine dresser or gardener. Uh, and then we're going to look at the vine again. Let's look at Jesus and what he did. Uh, so John 15, 1 through 8 says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. So this is Jesus talking. So Jesus is saying, I'm the true, true vine. So he's giving us order here. He says, I'm the true vine, but God the Father is the vine dresser. He's the gardener in this. And um, there's a lot to impact. We're not going to go into the Trinity and all the details of that. That's a Bible study that's uh, probably a six-week course. We can do that if you like. You just let me know. I'll tell Elder Sam he can do it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the mystery of the Trinity uh, is foundational to uh, what we believe. Uh, but we're not going to get into that. But we're going to realize that Jesus is saying that he is the vine and his father, God, is the vine dresser. So he's taking care of everything in this vineyard. Uh, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. So the, the vine dresser takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. So God is the one who's pruning, uh, that it may bear more fruit. You already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So, if, again, this is an example where if you take the branch off the tree, can't bear any fruit. You actually die. 
So you have to be connected to the vine, and then you will bear much fruit. I'm going to jump down to 5, verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. This is what Jesus is saying. Without me, you can do nothing. We need him. If anyone does not abide in me, he casts out. He, meaning God, is cast out, uh, cast out the branches and is withered. And they gather them and throw them in the fire and is burned. This is God. Jesus says again, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. In verse 8, by this, my father, my father, so Jesus is saying, my father is glorified. What is he is glorified by? That you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So this whole thing is about glorifying God. You know, sometimes we think it is about glorifying the vine, which is Jesus. But Jesus even in himself said it is about God the Father. And this is not a competition. They're all in one. This is the mystery of the Trinity. Again, that's a Bible study uh, for another time. <laughs> We're not going to dig into that. But I do want to set this up as God the Father and what the Father did for us and what he saw in us and him taking care of this garden. So we'll get into that. But the need for a father. And, and then John 17, 20 through 26, we'll get into that a little bit. Um, it is Jesus praying right before he goes into the garden of Gethsemane, uh, 20 through 26. And, and I'll read verse 20. It says, I do pray for these alone. I do not pray for these alone. So Jesus is praying. He says, I do not pray for these people alone. So in the prior verses, he's talking about the, the saints who have come before him. I do not pray for those alone. Or the ones who are with him now, those disciples that are with him now. But also for those who will believe in me through those disciples' words. So he's just not praying for the ones that are there, but he's also praying for who will, those who will believe thousands of years from now. Those who will believe the word that these people sowed and made disciples and another generation spoke and made disciples and it kept going on and on. I am praying for you. He was praying for you before you knew what prayer was, <laughs> but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. His desire is for that we also will be one with them, going back to that abiding in him, not we ourselves or individual islands on this world. Um, and we've taken up some American Christianity and we're still independent and we've grown and we do our own things. No, <laughs> it is that you abide in him and he in you, just like he is in the father and the father is with him. And the world will believe that you sent me. Uh, and it goes on. Let me see. Verse 26, it says, I have declared to them your name. So this is Jesus again saying, I have declared to them the father's name. And we'll declare it. He said, I have declared it and will continue to declare it that the love with which you love me will be in them and I in them. This is good stuff right by itself. I don't need to add to it. I don't need to say any more. <laughs> this is good word right by itself. And he's saying, you know, I, Jesus is saying, I have declared it and I will continue to declare your love the Father had for me, Jesus, your son. And that they will know that love that you have and be in me and I am them. 
That's good. We can go home right now. Praise the Lord. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) The need for a father. In general, the title father signifies God's role as life giver, the authority, powerful protector, often viewed as immense, sovereign, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, with infinite power and charity that goes beyond human understanding. Did you get all that? God is all-encompassing. It, it, it I think it's too big to uh, establish in our mind, you know. Have you ever seen, this is funny, um, you've seen like those Walmart uh, warehouses or they're huge, right? You know, if you drove up past one like on the interstate, those are immense. <laughs> but God is saying, I'm bigger than that, you know. <laughs> I am bigger than this world. We think about this, this uh, universe and how it emits, and we can't fathom how big it is. And God is saying, I made this with you in mind. Uh, John 17, 1 through 5 says, Jesus spoke the words, lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour has come to glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. So again, he's saying that I have come to glorify you. And then it goes on to verse 3 of 17. It says, and this is eternal life. This is important because we are living to live again, right? We're living to have eternal life. That you may, that, uh, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is eternal life. That you know him, God, and Jesus, the way to God. The only way. And so, I think it's important we differentiate uh, Jesus. There, I don't I, you know, I don't want to get into this, uh, well, God and Jesus competition. They are in, they love each other. They are one. So we're going to praise and bless both of them. Um, but the Father is important to recognize that their characteristics as God, the Father, that Jesus the Son may not have. And they're, but they're all in one. Uh, Jesus points to the Father throughout the gospel. Think about the statement said, Jesus said he came to reveal to help us know God the Father, knowing the Father is necessary for eternal life, which I just read. Um, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, his son Jesus. Uh, There is more to Christianity than Jesus Christ alone. I know that's a a paradigm shift that's staggering to some of us. Especially on a day like today when we celebrate Jesus and what he did on the cross. But we celebrate that because of God the Father and what he, his love for us. And it should be celebrated. Don't get me wrong. It should be celebrated. Uh, but honestly realizing that God the Father's love for us is what made the Son able to do what he was able to do on the cross. Jesus is absolutely essential without his sacrifice in life. We would be able to die to our sins and be in uh, intimate relationship with God. Uh, but if we believe that he actually said that we have to accept Jesus first to seek the Father, then we must accept Jesus. But then the work is to seek the Father. Because the Father is the one that's the vine dresser who's in the garden, who's working on our behalf. Uh, it even says in John 4, 23, it says, the uh, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. So it is God the Father who is seeking true worshipers. 
Uh, we praise to the Father. We obey the Father's commandments. And it is to glorify our Father God. And this goes beyond uh, looking at God the Father as just a therapeutic means. And I mean that is that if we have a bad earthly father, so many times we can say, well, let's substitute God as my father because my earthly father was bad, right? And so it's like, okay, God is so much better, and so I'm substituting my earthly father because I had all these horrible earthly father, this horrible earthly father, that now I substitute God and all his goodness as my father. Well, that may work, but what if you had a good earthly father? God is so much better than a good earthly father. <laughs> so much better than a good earthly father. And sometimes you may feel like need, like, well, I don't need a father because I had a good earthly father. And so I don't know how to accept. So we correlate these two because our earthly father and because our infinite minds, our finite minds, I'm sorry, that we kind of conflict our father or what, I, what our understanding of father is, as, but what God is as father. He's so much better and so much bigger than what our understanding is and what we sometimes label him as. Sometimes we label God the Father as the Old Testament God, and that's why we don't have anything to do with him. Because it seems like the Old Testament God was no joke, right? He was that military father who would come in and, you know, (laughs) hardcore, you know, burning people and putting them in holes and, what you know, plagues and all that. We correlate with that with the Old Testament God. And so then we say, well, we want Jesus because he comes with all this grace and mercy. But the truth is, God had all this grace and mercy. And the vehicle for us to receive that is through Jesus. And sometimes we conflict discipline. Discipline is love. Right? As a parent, we know (laughs) I love my children very much. And I discipline them because I love them. I get on them. I talk to them. I discipline them different because they're 19 and 20. Sometimes I wish I still could discipline them like they were two and three. Um, <laughs> they need it sometimes. Uh, but because they're older, you still, you discipline them. You, you may have to have hard conversations. My daughter is sitting here. She doesn't like hard conversations. And she's <laughs> she will often say, oh, I did not meet with you to uh, have this kind of conversation. Let's table that to later like whatever you know (laughs) we're going to have the hard conversations and god is saying as your father i love you his love for us as the father goes so far beyond just uh you know earthly fulfilling my needs as for an earthly father and so the father god as the gardener or the vine dresser um there's some characteristics as a gardener. You may be a gardener as well if you grow plants or whatever. Um, and there are things that, as a gardener, you uh, certain characteristics. So uh, gardeners are known to be patient, supposedly. My wife grows plants. I don't know if she's patient, but uh, <laughs> at least not with me. <laughs> she's patient with the plants. <laughs> uh, but you, care, you work close in proximity uh, with the seed and the soil and the vegetation, you have a working knowledge of intimately knowing your plants and what you're growing. You have a great understanding of the environment in which you're growing your plants, um, the seasons and the weather. You, you know the soil. you intimately working with your hands. And so when you take that picture and put God as the vine dresser, consider that. We are his plants. We're what he's pruning. We're what he's cultivating. 
and he intimately knows us. So my wife has all these plants in our uh, living room and takes up all our deck as well. Um, I'm not saying anything about it bad. You know, it's just there. I do take, uh, enjoy the fruits of those greens and vegetables that we have. Uh, but she intimately knows those plants. And she doesn't want anyone outside of herself touching them because <laughs> they don't know them like I know them. <laughs> and see, where I would, because I don't intimately know the plants, I would be a little bit rougher with the plant, and I may feel like, oh, this is dead. Let's just rip this off. She's like, hey, don't touch my plants because I know where they are. And I know what needs to be pruned first, and I know what needs to wait and see what happens, and I know where this one is in its progression, I know where this one is in its progression. God is saying the same thing about us. He knows us intimately. And sometimes we think we hide things from God, and, you know, God knows the hairs on your head. I think that's in Luke 12. Uh, seven. It talks about he knows the hair on your head. And I could consider my wife as gardening her plants. She knows the leaves, sometimes the leaves on certain plants and how many leaves there were. Because if something is there, she comes back and says, look, 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 look. It grew another leaf. It's going well. Or it's not going too well and this is dying and it's missing a leaf. Or she'll say, did you bump into my plant because it doesn't look like it looked. <laughs> and I knew you was over in that area. <laughs> It's probably that, and I'll just blame Victoria. Um, so, <laughs> but he knows us intimately. Gardeners are patient, creative, passionate, determined, responsible, focused, hopeful, hopeful, and never give up. Don't we? Aren't we grateful that God is faithful and determined in our lives and doesn't give up? And even when it doesn't look like we're growing. He's still yet there cultivating us. And it may look different because, and I, I mentioned this before in the prior message, hey, that's, that is why we are not called to prune each other. As fruit, fruit don't prune fruit, right? <laughs> you don't see another grape saying, oh, let me cut you off, you're grown. No, no. It is the vine dresser's job to prune the garden. Because we may see things and say, well, they need to do this, and they need to do that. And, but you don't know where they are in their cultivation and what God is working on them in their lives. And so we need to lose that judgment and eventually come in with love, which is what he's trying to cultivate in us. Um, the vine dresser is kind, skillful, knowledgeable. Uh, Psalms 139 says, O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. He said, I ain't got to get close to you. I know what you're thinking afar off. You comprehend my path, my lying down, and acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O oh Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before you lay your hand upon me, search Knowledge is such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too high. I cannot attain it. He said he knows you better than you know yourself. And if we really get the understanding of how intimately God knows us, because he even said if God can count 
he knows the hair, and some of us that may be easier than uh, for others. Uh, he counts the hairs on our head. <laughs> some of us that's an easy work, <laughs> but he knows you intimately. Psalms one hundred three thirteen says, "For I know your frame." He remembers that you are dust, and so he treats you gently because he knows what you're made out of, and he knows what you can bear. And if we see God as the gardener tenderly taking care of us, cultivating us, and looking over us, guarding us, protecting us as the father and gardener over our lives, why? how much more do we submit and give ourselves to him? Because I'm in good hands. Now, if I was the gardener, you should be concerned. <laughs> I don't have a green thumb. <laughs> But God knows what he's cultivating in each of our lives. And he, just like the potter, you know, the potter knows what he's making. He has, idea, has an idea, uh, as creative as it may be, pottery. He knows what he's forming. And then so what clay looks back at the potter and says, hey, you're doing this wrong. You don't know. <laughs> I know what I have in store for this. And he's saying the same thing for you. And even... You yourself, you may feel like, God, I don't understand what's going on in my life. I'm so confused about where where things are. I have no idea what to do. And God is yet cultivating you. And if you only abide in the vine, stay in the garden and abide in the vine, then allow him to cultivate everything he needs in you and for you. And the goal of the gardener is to produce love, and the goal of this gardener, God, is to produce love in and through his people to those around us. So he's wanting to produce love in us so that we can share that love to those around us. Uh, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit so that you will be my disciples. Uh, John 8, um, 15 and 8. And it says, but... But John 13, 34 says, a new commandment I give to you, this is Jesus, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. It's it's peppered throughout the New Testament. But this all will know, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. How many times can you say that in verses 34 and 35 of John 13? This People will know that you are my disciples by the love you have for one another. So in that love, the same love that he has for us, he wants you to have that love as well. And in that that same vein, that love is what other people see. And, And well, first, that love is what pushes us to share the gospel, to be disciple makers, to not just be receivers of the word, But now we want to be doers of this word. I'm so entrenched with the love of God that I can't help but go out and share it with other people. Because I love them the way Christ has loved me, the way the Father has loved me and gave his son for me. He also wants to cultivate mature followers under his divine leadership or lordship. He's cultivating you to an expected maturity in him and under his lordship you can go there you can get there it is when you don't follow his lordship that we have problems right (laughs) 
but he wants to cultivate us. He's cultivating us in this garden with Jesus being the true vine. And that is, that is a, has a deep theological impact in that uh, the theme of the vine and the vineyard uh, can be seen in Isaiah 5 and also in Ezekiel, I think, 15. Uh, but Isaiah 5, and I'm going to read some of this. It says, uh, a song for the beloved regarding his vineyard. Starting at verse 1. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. He dug it up and cleared out the stones and planted it with the choicest vine. He built the tower in its midst and also a wine press in it. We're going to get to that next time. <laughs> the wine press. Uh, so he expected to bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. So Israel was familiar with this theme of the vineyard and the vine, and that's why Jesus used this analogy, because there's something that they have heard uh, in the Old Testament about this vineyard. And so what, this old, the, what, what brought forth wild grapes is that there wasn't a Savior, so there wasn't Jesus at this time. This is what, and so there was a need for the law, and God realized that we could not fulfill the law. We couldn't dot every I and cross every T. Uh, some of us can't dot an I <laughs> across AT, definitely not several of them. And so there was a need for the father to send his son. And his love for us, he recognized that, and that's why he sent his son. But he realized that if not, the grapes were going to be wild. There, there would be this apostasy where we would be in good graces with God, and then we will fall back and sin, and then we will go back to God and do right for a little while, and we will fall back into sin. And that's what the Old Testament is about, back and forth. The children of Israel would have a good leader, and they would follow the commandments of the Lord, and then somebody else would come in and change everything, and they were serving all different gods and putting up altars, and then someone else would come up, and they had to tear that down. Isn't that like life, right? (laughs) He's saying, you can't do it in your own power. You can't do it in your own will. You are wild grapes. We tried this years ago and realized that, hey, you needed the true vine. And so Jesus was saying when he said, I am the true vine, it meant something to them because they said, oh, this is real. This is something that's going to lead us to God and cover us, cover our sins on what Jesus did on the cross. Isaiah 27 and 2 says, in the day seeing over her a vineyard of red wine, I, the Lord, keep it. He keeps this vineyard. I water it every moment, least any hurt in it. I keep it day and night, for it is not in me. So this is, again, uh, God saying that he keeps this vineyard. Just imagine God watering you, cultivating you. He's over you because you are abiding in the true vine. It's important that we recognize on today what Jesus did as the true vine, that he made a way. Here's God and here's us, and there was a gulf in between. He said, I am the true vine. I am your way to the Father. If you will recognize it and accept me and abide in me, you will bear much fruit. And again, we talked about that last time before that that much fruit is us receiving the love 
and making disciples. We can't just receive it and let it end there. This is not a cul-de-sac where it ends here, but we want to receive it and then reproduce it. So I'm going to continue to encourage you. I know it's Easter Sunday, and we had some uh, challenge of three to uh, invite someone to church and to share the gospel and then to meet with a, a fellow fruit, <laughs> fellow disciple maker, and just have a conversation with them. And hopefully you got to do that this morning, uh, meet with some of your fellow members in the body of Christ. Uh, these are your battle buddies. <laughs> Don't you know, you want to know who you're fighting with, who's in the bunk with you, who, who is fighting with you the good fight of faith. Uh, so we encourage you to get with one another. But it is important that we recognize what Jesus did, what God did, the Father, in sending his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, not his, our sins. And so we're grateful for that. So we'll close with prayer before we have communion. Um, Heavenly Father, again, we just thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for what Jesus did on the cross. Thank you for the Father's love for us. Thank you for cultivating us and continuing to love us and pray that we accept that love and, again, abide in that love and allow that love to spill over in our lives so much that we can't help but to go out and share and make disciples. We just thank you, Lord, and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.